So I was boarding yet another plane. You know, at this point in my life, I'd been to over a dozen countries. My family lived all throughout the country, so flying was just a normal part of my year. And as I was boarding this plane in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was on my way to see my dad meet up with him in Nicaragua, where we were going to do a Bible conference. He was going to teach the adults. I was going to teach the youth. So as I was boarding the plane and walking the center aisle, I noticed that my, my backpack was a little tight. So I you know, loosened it up a little bit. And as I got to my seat, I noticed my shirt felt tight. I don't know, am I gaining weight or something? As I sat down, something was beginning to happen. As I began to perspire, heart racing, blood pressure through the roof, and an immediate and overwhelming sense of terror. And I was beginning to experience a panic attack. So I got up and I went up to the stewardess and I go, I, I got to like step off this plane for a little bit. And she's like, you know, if you leave, you can't get back on. So there I am. I go back to my seat and I'm stuck. My ch- I, feel, feel, I feel like I can't breathe. I feel this terror, this sense of things closing in on me and I don't know what to do. And maybe you've been in that situation where for whatever reason, anxiety has flooded into your heart and in your mind, where it's become difficult for you to leave the house, to do the work that you've been called to do, to care for your family, for your friends, much less attempt difficult things for God and love people in radical ways. Well, I would imagine many of you have experienced what I've experienced, bouts with anxiety throughout your life. Well, for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about that very topic of anxiety. This series is, we're calling Anxiety and the Peace of God, where we will look at this topic that has had a major impact in each one of our lives and really is the, the degree of a level of epidemic in our country. Let me give you some statistics. One in five Americans suffer from a mental illness. One in six U.S. youth aged six to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. One in six Americans and one in four women take some psychiatric drug. And 19% of U.S. adults experience an anxiety disorder. What that means is if these statistics prove true in our community, 340 people who will walk into the door of this church this morning are struggling with an anxiety disorder. Not to mention the family and friends that this has been impacted. But I want to say this before we move any forward, that mental illness is not something that happens somewhere outside the church. And mental illness is not something that happens to bad Christians who don't pray enough or who don't read their Bible enough. There will be countless men and women who experience mental illness who will one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But, but anxiety is a tool 
used by the enemy or happens biologically that keeps us from attempting great things for God and loving in radical ways through Christ. So our hope during this series is that we can begin to substitute our anxiety for God's peace, that we have a greater sense of who God is and that allows us to have more real experiences of the peace of God. And before we move forward, I want to talk about what this series is not. <laughs> this series is not going to be a defense or attack on psychiatric drugs. Now, that's an important question. We're not going to be addressing that directly. It's not a series of lectures on how to cope with anxiety and depression. And it's not a series on the relationship between the brain and spirit. But with the, what this series is, it is a study on God's character and God's qualities. It's going to provide some pastoral guidance on how to navigate psychological consequences of the existence of sin in our world and in our lives, as well as it's going to provide next steps to submitting our lives to God's care. Now, if you are able to uh, attend all the services the next four weeks, you'll only get about two hours of content and we know that's not enough. The hope of this series is to begin a conversation within our church. But we do want to provide some next steps. We've got a three uh, opportunities for you for next steps in growing in your peace with God. The first thing is Pastor Dean, he's our pastor of care and leadership development. He is creating these two to three minute shorts on some uh, videos on some really important topics in this area. And they will be available through social media. You know, that's a great way. Maybe you can share that with someone that you know struggling with anxiety. Because I think if you would, this is a great series for them to come and hear what the Bible says and hear, hear what Christ says about fear and anxiety. So that's one thing you can do. The second thing is November 24th, at, during the 6.30 service, we're having a panel of experts to answer questions on fear and anxiety. It'll be here during the 6.30 and we'll Facebook Live it. So you can, you can log on and ask questions even from home. We're going to have Dr. Mindy Strausser. She's a pediatrician. Uh, Dr. Walt Broadbent, he's a psychologist, Dean Siley, and then founding pastor Rick Duncan. They'll be here, and these are a series of experts that also have experience in their own life of dealing with anxiety. And then the third thing you can do is Dr. Walt Broadbent is going to offer a three-week class following up this series, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity to, to go deeper in ways and practices and understandings of how to grow in our peace with God. All right, so you guys ready to begin a conversation on this really important topic? Yeah. All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll jump into one of the most important passages uh, of the Bible for me personally. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We know that you are the creator of all things. You are the creator of our bodies, our minds, our spirits. Lord, you know this topic is something that has kept so many of us on the sidelines from your work. Well, we don't want to be on the sidelines. We want to be used by you. So Lord, would you do what only you can do? This is not, <laughs> only you can do, only you can provide peace. There's no, there's no other source than you. So would you give us a greater uh, understanding of who you are? Give us clear next steps on how to grow in our peace and substitute our anxiety for your peace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to take you back to that day in the Miami airport. So I muscle through this 
this flight from Charlotte, North Carolina to Miami for a layover. And I get off that plane, having just experienced a panic attack, and my, in my mind, I'm like, there ain't no way I'm getting on another plane. But there I am, I'm stuck. I got like a three-hour layover. Like, what do I do? Like, do I go up to the counter and I'm like, um, can I have a flight back? Like, no. Uh, do I rent a car and drive from Miami? Like, all these things are going through my mind. And what do I tell my dad when I don't show up to Nicaragua? So I do well, the only thing I know to do. I grab my Bible and I start to read. And I remember... My mom taught me this Bible verse as a kid from my kid's Bible. It's 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So I keep reciting that. So I'm trying to find an empty, uh, uh, an empty gate that I could like sit and just like talk to God. And I'm thinking, cast all your anxiety on him before he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And you see, I was trying to do that, that whole flight. I'm like, God, I'm casting, like I'm, I'm, I'm casting. I don't, I don't know how to cast. Like what, what do you mean? So I had in my mind that God was like, all right, buddy, cast your anxieties. I'm here. I'm here to help, but you got to do your part, man. Hurry up. Like I'm here. So it's all, in my mind, I felt casting my anxiety on God was some type of spiritual pole vault that I could just get enough speed with prayer and know my Bible just enough that I could somehow vault myself over this bar and then my anxiety would be gone. But that was not working. So as I see the minutes tick down to my departure time, I'm like, God, I have no idea what to do. So I open up my Bible and I had brought my big boy Bible, not my kid Bible, right? I open up my Bible to 1 Peter 5, that verse. And oh, praise the Lord. He showed me an insight. It's not a really clever insight. It's just the clear teaching of, of 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. And I'm telling you, this meant the world to me in that airport. So what I want to do, I want for the rest of our time, I want to share with you what God shared with me in Miami, okay? And I feel so passionate about sharing this with you. I want to ask you to do something. I want you to get your worship guide that you came in with. And on the back, you'll see message notes. And what I'd like you to do is grab this and grab a pen. And I would like you to write out this 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Like, you know, write it out on this piece of paper. And what we're going to do, we're going to mark this up. We're going to circle it. We're going to underline it. We're going to make some uh, notations on it. Because I think if you do this, I think you're going to understand it even better. So, Right out. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, comma, casting, we'll talk about in a second, that in a second, your anxi- all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So I'll give you another uh, couple seconds to finish writing that out. Okay, a, a few more seconds. That's all right. 
I would write that out myself on one of those boards, but you would not be able to read it. So I have a little iPad thing that we'll, we'll be using here in a sec. All right. So I memorized this first, cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. And in my little kid Bible, that word cast, which we, which we see up there, casting, cast sounds like a command. It sounds like God telling me to do something, what the, your, your high school English teacher would call an imperative. Like, go to the store, give me your wallet, stop that man, right? A command. But as I did a little deep, dive into this verse in that concourse in Miami, I realized by God's grace, there was a problem with viewing this word cast as a command. Because in the original language, it was written in Greek, that word is not a command. It's not an imperative. It's a participle. Oh, wow, clear as day, right? I want you to circle that word, casting. This word is a participle, like running, jumping, talking. And what a participle is, is it, in this case, develops what we call a dependent clause, underlying casting all your anxieties on him. You see, this is a dependent clause. That means it doesn't make sense by itself. It would be like if I told you, hey, running to the store, what? or, 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 or giving me your wallet, it, it doesn't make sense. It's something that you use to modify something else. I'm like, okay. That's good news. Because what that means is in that phrase, God's not telling you when you experience anxiety, do more, try harder. Because that is a participle, God is not saying that casting your anxieties on him is some type of spiritual pole vault. What he's saying is, hey, in order to understand casting all your anxieties on him, in order to understand that dependent clause, you got to find the independent clause. <laughs> uh, wh wh where am I, right? <laughs> you got to look elsewhere. And what is God telling us in this verse? He is telling us to humble ourselves. You see, when I was sitting in that Miami concourse, watching those minutes go by, like perspiring, I was a mess. I could breathe. I, I felt God saying, Josh, you don't have an anxiety problem. You have a pride problem. You see, up until that point in my life, everything was fine. School came pretty easy to me, right? High school was no problem. Met friends. I even, you know, was seventh man on the basketball team, you know. <laughs> Scored like eight points one game. <clears throat> and I was in college. College went smoothly. I had all these opportunities. But what those things, how, what they did to my heart was to tell me that you're good enough. 
You can handle your life. You know how to guide. It's all up to you. And man, you're doing a good job. But by God's grace, he shared me, Josh, you have virtually no control over your life. You know, uh, there's, there's some uh, chemicals in our body that if we're a teaspoon off, we would just be dead. Like, Josh, all, anything you have is a gift from me. Like, you, all the opportunities you've been given, it's from me. And God began to work something into my heart that, oh, I am so thankful for. He says this, Josh, in order for casting your cares on me to be possible, you must first humble yourself under my mighty hand. See, what is fear? What is anxiety? When we experience these things, I'd spoke, I've spoken with, in the past week, people who have anxieties of swallowing or anxieties about health issues. Or, there's, this is so ubiquitous. What is anxiety? Anxiety is the belief that either God doesn't know what you're going through or God doesn't care what you're going through right? Anxiety has roots in this belief that someone or something other than God is in control of your life. Let me, let me try to illustrate. Say you fear singleness. Like, I just got to get somebody in my boyfriend, girlfriend, something. If you fear singleness, you believe that a lover is the true source of acceptance and contentment. And without another person, you will forever be miserable. Thus, God does not control the joy in your life. If you have anxiety about your health, you believe that doctors or medicine or right, CrossFit or smoothies or whatever, it, it, it controls the direction of your body and its health rather than God Almighty. If you have anxiety about young children, you believe that your meaning and your significance and your value are dependent on how impressive your kids are and not based on God's unconditional love for you. If you have, belief, if you have anxiety about finances, you believe that a boss or a job or something else is the one who will provide for your needs, not the king of kings. You see, anxiety's roots, where it feeds is on a belief, either an overconfidence in what we can do or an underconfidence in what God can do. You see, I had a pride problem, not an anxiety problem. You see, what this scripture is telling us is saying, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you. And when you do this, when this is the position of your heart, then the result is you're casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see, pride and anxiety, they're best friends. Just like a, from a dumpster comes stench, just pr as pride comes anxiety. 
You see, in order to dispel the fear and anxiety in our lives, we must recognize that we're under the mighty hand of God. You see, this concept of humble, it's a funny thing. I think in our culture, we, um, we don't really, we like people that are humble, but our culture doesn't tell us to be humble. And it's funny, we can feel really bad about ourselves when we're around people who are more impressive than us or feel really good about ourselves when we're around people that aren't as impressive as us. That's not humility. That's not humility. That's just uh, winning or losing in this whole jealousy game. What humility truly is, is looking to someone or something that you know is greater than you and meditating on that thing and allowing us to settle where we should be. You see, humbling ourselves comes from recognizing and acknowledging, thinking about, and being under, settling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Put a box around mighty hand. What is this mighty hand? See, I think often in our culture, we have a view that God is um, like a sweet grandpa outside of Cracker Barrel, just kind of rocking in his chair, pocket full of Werther's Originals. Just, oh, but he loves us so much. He just loves, oh, grandpa is wonderful. I love him. He's just a great guy. I think sometimes we can think of that. But that's not the picture we get from scripture. So what is this mighty, what is this mighty hand of God? This mighty hand of God is the same God who brought all things into existence. From the distant moon a thousand light years away to the interworkings of the mitochondria in every cell of your body, this is that mighty hand who does that. This is the mighty hand who made a promise to the nation of Israel, a special covenant saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he did amazing things to keep that promise. You see, this mighty hand brought Israel out of slavery by incredible and terrifying wonders and acts of judgment, gnats and frogs and turning water into blood, destroying a firstborn of those who do not put blood over the doorpost. And this is the mighty hand who brought the nation of Israel to a sea as an army was pursuing. But that mighty hand parted that sea so that the nation of Israel could walk through and then use that water to destroy the most powerful army on the face of the earth. This is that mighty hand who guided the nation of Israel with a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. This is that mighty hand who surrounded the Mount of Sinai with thunder and lightning and earthquakes gave us his word. And this is the mighty hand who leads and guides your very life and the life of your family and of your children. 
And this is that mighty hand who will one day come again to judge all unrighteousness. And it is a powerful, mighty hand. And scripture tells us that this mighty hand has a great vat of wrath that he will one day pour upon all injustice. That is this God. But the good news is, the mightier the hand, the more able to save. The mightier the hand, the more able to save. So we look at this verse. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And I think it gives us a picture of what humility looks like. You see, the degree of your humility determines the degree of your peace. But humility does not come by mustering up some virtue. It's by turning our eyes to the great and almighty one. And brothers and sisters, I tell you, this has proven true in my life. It is such a grace to me. So as I'm in that airport, you know, there's, there's a line forming to get onto this plane. And I'm like, God, I'm at my... I'm at my end. You know, I've been pacing the floor and talking to you for the three hours. God, I'm going to turn my eyes away from myself. I'm going to try. I'm going to do a little step. Would you do the rest? Turn my eyes away from myself to you. So I got my backpack on, walked through, and by God's grace, I was able to endure I was able to go, I was able to experience a panic attack three hours ago and then experience the peace of God in that moment. And I've never experienced anxiety ever from that moment forward. No, no. I had to fly last week to Atlanta. (laughs) So we set up this series and then I get a call. Oh yeah, you got to go to this conference in Atlanta. I'm like, oh, when is it? Oh, the week before I talk about anxiety. Okay, right. So I walk on the plane. I begin to experience some of those same things. I go, Lord, you're bigger than this. If you want to, if you want to take this 737, just go, you could. If you want to, you, Lord, I have no control, but, but you have a mighty hand and you're able to save. And by God's grace, I am experiencing freedom. It's not a, pill, a magic spiritual pill that you take and you just like float for the rest of your life. It's something that God continues to work in you. But we're not done with these two verses yet. That last phrase. Let's re- I'm going to read it all. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. What's the proof? How do I know? Maybe you're here and your view of God is not the sweet grandpa God. It's that angry king God who's aloof, who's not interested, and who's angry with you. How do we know that this God is for us and not against us? How do we know that he actually wants the best for us? 
Well, I'll tell you, from my own experience in that Miami airport, God was speaking to me. He said, Josh, if I did not spare my own son, won't I give you enough peace to ride on an airplane? You see that mighty hand that was storing up all the wrath for injustice, he poured on his son on the cross. You see, the proof that God loves us is that he sent his son to die for us. Put a cross. You see, God loves us so much that he was willing to go to any cost in order to defeat our greatest, most deepest, most real source of fear and anxiety. That's our own physical and spiritual death. You see, all of us, apart from some form of restoration, deserved the mighty hand of God to punish us and to crush us. But the good news of the gospel is that 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 mighty hand crushed his son in order to offer his hand of salvation to us. So now God works all things for good for him who knows Christ, for him who loves Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been racked with anxiety and you just feel like you can't get from underneath this. Maybe it's because you don't have the peace with God. You see, you gotta have peace with God to have the peace of God. So maybe today's the day. Maybe you're at your wits end and it's the moment you say, God, I have had it. I can't do it on my own. I need you, Lord. I believe that your son died on the cross. You raised him from the grave. Take my sin. Lord, offer me your hand of, of salvation and I will accept it today. Maybe that's you. And the ultimate act of humility would be to receive the salvation of Jesus Christ. You know, I know there are, there are many of us here that feel lost and that we need God's rescue. In a moment, Melissa's gonna share a song with us. And I want to encourage you to stay seated and to just listen to these words. These are the, this is the heart of God and his love and desire for you. One of my favorite lines of this song where it talks about God will send an army after us. You see, a great king, he doesn't just go do stuff himself. He sends people. He sends armies and messengers. And maybe that's what you need. Maybe you just, you need an experience of God's peace this morning for you to open up your heart to greater levels of peace. So my encouragement is, look at, listen to these words, stay seated. And in a moment, I'm gonna come back up and uh, we're gonna read a passage of scripture together. never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless 
You have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army find you in the middle of darkest night it's true i will rescue you there is no distance that cannot be covered over and over you're not defenseless I'll be your shelter, I'll be your armor I hear you whisper underneath your breath some of you are here and you're like, you know, Josh, I, that's good. Yeah. I, but anxiety is not my thing. I just don't struggle with that. If that's you, praise God. That's great. But you know, if you're in a battle and you're not injured, doesn't mean you're off the hook. You find somebody and you come alongside and say, hey, put your arm on my shoulder. I'll help you. You see, of those 340, statistically, 340 people who are right now dealing with an anxiety disorder, maybe you're one of these army, or you're, you're part of the army to come around someone and say, I'm here, I'm, I'm, let me help. See, that's why we have life groups. 
That's why we want to be a caring community. Because if you don't struggle with it, I tell you, you know someone who does. And you're to come alongside. Say, lean on me. I'll help you. You know, the nation of Israel needed that reminder. There's a set of Psalms toward the end of the corpus of Psalms that are call response. You know, a leader would say this line and then the community would say this line. Or one section would say this line, another section would say the other line. So in a minute, we're gonna do that very thing. And what we're gonna do, we're gonna share a Psalm together. We're gonna read it together back and forth and we're gonna remind each other of God's power and of his great love. So if you would please stand up, we're gonna read Psalm 136 together. You'll see it on the screens. I'm gonna read the white part and you're gonna read the yellow part. Now you got a real easy job. It's the same phrase, but I don't wanna hear it. But this isn't the like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. No, I wanna like hear you. Like you believe it, like this is true, because it is. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and the stars to rule over the night. For him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the sea in two and, and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. It is he who remembers us in our low estate. And rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God. 